Welcome Radio presents the Vocable Hour. Poems and prose from our hearts to yours. With Ali Croker, Fiona Gulech and Danny Mazevich. Broadcasting every Monday evening from 6 till 7. Well, hi there. Danny Mazevich here, dear listener. I hope you're well. And I hope you are enjoying the slightly warmer weather that we have at the moment. It's rather beautiful outside, isn't it? With all the deep, deep greens everywhere and the lush outturnings of leaves and buds as they curl from twigs and branches into the slightly damper air than it's been, but nevertheless air that encourages growth and light that warms the heart doesn't it at this time of year and makes us think about all the positive things that there are in life and of course there are many more positives aren't there don't you think dear listener than there are negatives it's very easy to find the negatives and uh, but much easier strangely to find the positives and on that note i want to share with you some more of my i hope you don't mind or, or think it self-indulgent but i'm sharing with you my journey in these last few programs and perhaps even for a few more to come this journey into the nature of love and in particular the nature of love as it is uh, found between uh, between humans of course there are many other forms of love and of course i will touch on those because they're all fascinating aren't they and in particular this feeling that we have that has this label of love which is one of those aspects of life that sometimes on closer inspection is much more elusive you know it when you see it don't you i mentioned the color green just now it's impossible to describe the color green to somebody isn't it uh, and and actually not terribly useful <laughs> because you know it when you see it don't you as i say the word green to you a color will leap into your mind and uh, so when I say the word love to you, it is possible that a feeling or a person or a place or a memory or a flashback will leap into your mind. On that uh, front, shall we begin? And this first poem is called Flashback. It was you who found it. A stream in the sky ankle deep we tiptoe through its light and the door between now and then is right here in front of us so we walk through into the sun our arms open wide now standing on a bridge eating fruit now a witching night in the star forest. You are this wood, this trackless adventure. Then, fireworks, spark, burns words in a dizzy nighttime haze. Now you are pools of dark from the beginning of the world. Now, you send a photo from a cafe in Krakow, 
where great curtains of black and gold hide corners where poets and artists whisper inspiration and listen to a murmur that says, Events need no sequel, and a candle, once lit, flames forever. Then, a sudden rush of fiery air, and a touch of your arm on the tube. And now, your brother finds a revolver on the ground. Dolls come to life on stone steps in childhood. You tell such stories. Now, you've stepped into a movie, and I can't tell you apart from Ida. Now, a field gate. I'm a breath away from taking you in my arms and setting light to the world. You've red-painted bird. Then, speech bubbles on my screen, three dancing dots of words being born. Write it. Write it. Now, curled up on the sofa, then, sitting opposite you, breath splutters and giggles, since there are so many words in the world. Then, your hand touches my lips in the dark cinema air. I dare not move your fingers in mine. I dare not let them go, dare not stroke them. Now, it seems as if you do not mind our hearts dancing in silent step. What magic is this, when one night after soft voices and healing sound, in my arms, holding you, I say, I am so in love with you. Now, we find each other. Then, on the bank of our shining stream. Before we have our first piece of music I wanted to begin with that uh, very personal uh, poem I hope you don't mind dear listener I think uh, you know by now that this program sometimes is very personal and sometimes allows people guests or myself to share very deep things about themselves or things you know that's that is rather perhaps a, a little self-aggrandizing for I am a very thin person, as it happens, not a very deep person. But I wrote that uh, poem for my um, for an experience I had with my partner uh, very recently, in fact, and I, of course, have her permission to read this. Um, we went on a trip to uh, Tetbury, as it happens, and uh, 
found ourselves in the middle of a very powerful experience about closeness and togetherness and intimacy uh, by a stream. And it struck me that the reason that I write poems, and perhaps why others do too, perhaps uh, maybe you do, dear listener, is to find what cannot be said. Now, this realisation came to me just actually during this experience I've just narrated, but also uh, last night I went to this, see this wonderful play Hamnet at the RSC. Shakespeare is given a line in this play and he says, um, somebody asks him, why do you write plays? And he says, I write what I cannot say. <laughs> And a shiver went up my spine. I thought, uh, rather, uh, you know, rather um, a sense of hubris in many ways. I thought, gosh, yes, that's it. That's it. Not that, not that one ever has to answer the question to anybody. Why do you write? But Peter and I, and uh, once again, thank you to Peter for for producing this program. We're just talking about one of the reasons this this very program exists is to offer a space really both for you dear listener to enjoy uh, poetry hopefully but also to think hmm i might give it a go so with that let us hear our first song which is a very uh, upbeat piece since i said at the beginning this is the a season of green and life and we're going to hear a song called can you feel it Another child, another child, another child. But the 
well very upbeat and uh, these these are all very upbeat poems I, i've chosen for you i hope well i say upbeat but they're very optimistic about the strength of the human heart because and this next one which i know you will know dear listener you'll know this poem very well i'm sure and if you don't what a treat to be able to bring it to you what a treat to be able to bring this well it's a it's it's an aspect of beauty and uh, and as keats uh, has it giving advice to somebody i think about what to do with his life and he says well pursue beauty because beauty is truth and truth is beauty and that's all there is and how true that is in my humble opinion eve wishes for the cloths of heaven by wb yeats had i the heavens embroidered cloths Enwrought with gold and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths of night and light and the half-light, I would spread the cloths under your feet. But I, being poor, have only my dreams, and I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. I just want to hold a moment of silence before we uh, do the next poem, and then we're going to hear a piece of music. Um, also, very, whose rhythm is quite different to that of that poem, but isn't that extraordinary? And I wanted to share that poem with you because of what I've... Ex- try to express in 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 uh, in my introduction and in the first poem that it is an act of giving, isn't it? I'm not seeking to define love, dear listener. I'm seeking seeking to share with you poems that express that feeling, and perhaps even go further. What do I mean by that? I think what I mean is this: that poems tell a story that cannot be said or tell a story different to that which can be spoken the joy for me of writing poetry and perhaps you share this also is that when you put one word down on a page on a piece of paper with either a word processor or a pen I prefer pen myself when I'm drafting my little efforts it says what it says. Uh, the word green, once written, produces that colour. But the minute you put another word next to it, firstly, you have a poem because you have a meaning. And more than that, and as we go into this next poem, perhaps uh, this will be a little clearer. As soon as you write the word green, and then you write the next word, let's say tree, you have a third meaning that comes out, that only you will know. Because the green tree that you can see is totally unique, totally yours, not mine, not anybody else's. And crucially, and most excitingly for me, a 
tree that did not exist before those two words were written. Christina Rossetti writes this sensational poem, and I'm not sharing with you poems that are terribly obscure today. There are some that I hope you've not heard before, but I'm sure you will have heard this one. And rightly so, it's often shared at moments of uh, um, ceremonial love, such as weddings and so on. Well, here it is. Christina Rossetti. I wish I could remember that first day. I wish I could remember that first day, first hour, first moment of your meeting me. If bright or dim the season, it might be summer or winter, for aught I can say. So unrecorded did it slip away. So blind was I to see and to foresee. So dull to mark the budding of my tree that would not blossom yet for many a May. If only I could recollect it, such a day of days. I let it come and go, as traceless as a thaw of bygone snow. It seemed to mean so little and so much. If only now I could recall that touch, first touch of hand in hand, did one but know. Well, there's no more that need be said about that stunning piece of writing, is there? So now let's change the mood again and we're going to hear a song from a completely different emotional place but still in the same country. A song called Crush On You.
This next poem is called Your Hands. It's by Angelina Veltgrimke. No, I'm afraid I haven't heard much about Angelina either, but I certainly will from from this moment, because these poems that she wrote are like I was trying to mention earlier, this, this uh, notion of the small things in life being so helpful in helping us to think about the big things. So, your hands. I love your hands. They're big hands. Firm hands. Gentle hands. Hair grows on the back near the wrist. I've seen the nails broken and stained from hard work. And yet, when you touch me, I grow small and quiet and happy. If I might only grow small enough to curl into the hollow of your palm, your left palm, curl up, lie close, and cling, so that I might know myself always there, even if you forgot. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? No more needs to be said. This next one's called Love Song by Dorothy Parker. Now, Dorothy Parker has a, she could often, as this one is, uh, just, to, just to set the scene for this poem, it is, she uh, had a very acerbic uh, perception of things, often. And I think you may hear that in this. <laughs> Love Song by Dorothy Parker. My own dear love, he is strong and bold, and he cares not what comes after. His words ring sweet as a chime of gold, and his eyes are lit with laughter. He is as jubilant as a flag unfurled. Oh, a girl, she'd not forget him. My own dear love, he is all my world, and I wish I'd never met him. My love, he's mad, and my love, he's fleet, and a wild young wood thing bore him. The waves are fair to his roaming feet, and the skies are sunlit for him. As sharply sweet to my heart he seems as the fragrance of acacia. My own dear love, he is all my dreams, and I wish he were in Asia. <laughs> Yes, uh, sorry, sorry to chuckle there, but have to have a bit of lightness. Don't be occasionally. And uh, so let's continue the uh, the uh, the upbeat mood with an, another song that uh, is about sort of happiness, really. And it's uh, feels like I'm in love. Before, but 
Well now, let's continue our let's continue our exploration, our journey into what it is like to feel this notion of love. Not a, not I think to I'm not attempting to define it, you know, but to but to share with you some poems that express a feeling of love more than anything else, and that will be even clearer, I hope, in this next poem, "Love and Friendship" by Emily Bronte which is the title tells us all we need to know love and friendship by emily bronte love is like the wild rose briar friendship like the holly tree the holly is dark when the rose briar blooms but which will bloom most constantly the wild rose briar is sweet in spring its summer blossoms scent the air yet wait till winter comes again and who will call the wild briar fair then scorn the silly rose wreath now and deck thee with the holly's sheen that when december blights thy brow he still may leave thy garland green. Extraordinary, extraordinary. The evergreen nature of the strong relationship, no matter what the name. Don't you think it? Don't you think, dear listener, that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? It almost doesn't matter what we call it, does it? Really. And sometimes I think what Bronte is getting at there, I think, is that once one begins to name an emotion. Perhaps that's when some of the charm of the relationship uh, wanes. Better to experience, possibly. And poems that emerge from that experience can only, as Keats implies, enhance the beauty. And talking of beauty, here's our next poem before our next piece of music. And this is by that well-known writer uh, George Gordon <laughs> now uh, dear listener you probably know better than I uh, and discovered this uh, this yeah, yesterday when I was preparing this poem that George Gordon is uh, the name of uh, is the uh, pre peerage name of Lord Byron isn't it interesting though that if you call if I say this poem is by George Gordon one expects a different poem than if it's by Lord Byron pity because this poem is very I think you'll you'll hear it rather than me explain its character. And of course, it is she walks in beauty. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies and all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes thus mellowed to that tender light which heaven to gaudy day denies one shade the more one ray the less had half impaired the nameless grace which waves in every raven tress or softly lightens o'er her face where thoughts serenely sweet express how pure how dear 
their dwelling place. And on that cheek and o'er that brow, so soft, so calm, yet eloquent, the smiles that win, the tints that glow, but tell of days in goodness spent, a mind at peace with all below, a heart whose love is innocent. I feel sometimes, dear listener, when I'm sharing these poems with you, that I, when I read them, I walk up to the peak of a beautiful mountain. And so it is with all of these, I think, today, about my own, obviously. I've got, that's very much like wading through a soggy marsh. But, um, but you know, as you, you, I reach the peak of this mountain and look out, and you can forgive, dear listener, one more um, definition to support the, the endeavour of writing, really. Not only when we put one word next to another do we create, an image that was never there before and can only be there once in your imagination and in mine but a poem is to me like a mountain and you reach its peak if it's a good poem, if it's well written you find yourself in every line of it walking, climbing higher and higher and higher until, as with that poem, don't you think you get to the top and wow, you look back and you look around, you see where you've been and you see what you couldn't see before you started. Amazing what they can do, what great writers can do. And speaking of great writers, let us not omit what some people would say is the greatest writer of all, uh, William Shakespeare. And we'll, we'll uh, after this, we shall hear another very, uh, another very bouncy song, uh, just like the bounciness of the green season in which we are happy to dwell at the moment. And this song is called Hand on Your Heart. And... Uh, and that's what people do when they get married. And so often this poem is used. This, <laughs> it's very interesting how this poem is used very often in marriages. And, uh, um, yeah, well, you know, I'm sure, dear, I'm sure, dear listener, as I do, that this poem isn't all about the often very uh, confected sure, of, a, of a wedding ceremony. There's, there's more going on there in, uh, in this poem than, than confectionery. And it's Sonnet 116, of course. Let me not to the marriage of true minds. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh, no. It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool. Though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. 
that love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error, and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. Put your hand on your heart and tell me that we're through.
Yes, you can't beat a bit of Kylie, can you? My goodness, that's about the upness of it and the heartbeat of it and the rhythm of it. And in this next poem, we see some of that too. Pagan Passion uh, by Louis Dattel. I am sweetly perplexed by love's sallies, releases, by the countless retreats and the numberless captures, by the petulant coldness and agreeable raptures, by the whisper of phrases that hurts and then pleases. I am drunk by the prodigal total of leases. From her body and spirit, her soul and her senses, I revel in approaches and artless offences, in her challenging taunts and her tenderly treases now i will disengage a red flower from her tresses and uplift her lithe form from a divan of roses for the zephyr of night too much passion opposes and in delicate folds now has rumpled her dresses on to-morrow's new ventures the heart eager presses i repose now to ponder on life soothing losses yes very so the rhythm of that is it's all about the rhythm isn't it that one and about the twos and fro's of love and this next poem it takes us into a, a slightly different area this is uh, john dunn now john dunn absolutely i shall do a whole program on john dunn is i think possibly my favorite poet of the uh, uh, renaissance period early renaissance and um dunn had this absolutely fascinating life as i'm sure you know dear listener and uh, and uh, i wonder whether you as intri- are as intrigued by that uh, the, the different ways in which he expressed love as, uh, as 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 he did both for human hearts and also for spiritual hearts and i thought it was worth uh, sharing this with you because of that very thing he became, uh, after his uh, early life of very um, free and passionate engagement with other people, uh, he then saw a different path opening before him for all kinds of reasons, both spiritual and not spiritual, and became an Anglican priest at St. Paul's at one point and reached very high up in the Anglican Church. And his sermons were said to be absolutely spellbinding, as with a lot of sermons of that period, could go on sometimes for hours and hours and hours. Interesting, isn't it? When we listen to podcasts these days, they're very. Some of them, in the in their long form, are similar in length. And we're perhaps, perhaps, we're getting back to a period when we uh, need and thrive on uh, on the long form exposition. But you may be relieved to know that this is a sonnet and therefore it's relatively short. Um, but wow, wow, that's all I can say. Let me, let me, let me uh, share it with you. It's called Batter My Heart, Three Personed God. Batter my heart, three-personed God, for you as yet but knock, breathe, shine and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand, overthrow oh, me and Bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. I, like a usurped town, to another due, labour to admit you, but, oh, to no end. Reason, your viceroy in me, me, should defend, but is captive, and proves weak or untrue. 
Yet dearly I love you, and would be loved fain, but am betrothed unto your enemy. Divorce me, untie or break that knot again, take me to you, imprison me, for I accept you enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chaste except you ravish me. I think we can picture, can't we, the, uh, the audience of those days hearing that and being somewhat startled by the language. Isn't it incredible, though, dear listener? Very far away from the... Uh, when, well... Uh, the uh, Anglican Church is, uh, is, a, is a, um, a very broad umbrella, one gathers. But as the great Eddie Izzard uh, says in his uh, in her um, in her uh, comedy about uh, about the English uh, about the Church of England, the Church of England is characterised really by uh, uh, an ethic of uh, well, on the one hand this, on the other hand that. Ooh, I'm not really sure. Could be this, could be that. Which is all very lovely, isn't it? But this poem my goodness me you can sense can't you the proximity between religious love and physical love gosh very very powerful indeed i'm tempted to read it again but i shan't you'll be delighted to know not because the poem doesn't bear it but you you know my voice is uh, uh, more enjoyed in the less than the more now here we are with another poem that has another very like the dorothy parker poem a slightly acerbic view it's not all plain sailing is it and uh, we'll hear that in this poem uh, by Pushkin, in fact, Alexander Pushkin. I loved you. I loved you. And I probably still do. <laughs> and for a while the feeling may remain. But let my love no longer trouble you. I do not wish to cause you any pain. I loved you. And the hopelessness I knew, the jealousy, the shyness, though in vain made up a love so tender and so true, as may God grant you be loved again. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Now let's go in a slightly different direction. Don't you... I'm sure you do, dear listener. You love, as I do, the, 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 the writings of Galil Gibran. Let's have his very famous poem, On Love. Love has no other desire but to fulfil itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires to melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night, to know the pain of too much tenderness to be wounded by your own understanding of love and to bleed willingly and joyfully to wake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving to rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy To return home at eventide with gratitude and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. 
What a mountain we reached the peak of there, don't you think? Now let's hear Emily Dickinson. Oh, Emily Dickinson's heart of a poetic heart. It's such a beautiful country to visit. Full of storms and wild rides. And this is no exception. Her stunning poem, Wild Nights, Wild Night. Wild nights, wild nights, were I with thee, wild nights should be our luxury. Futile the winds, to a heart, in port, done with the compass, done with the chart, rowing in Eden, oh, the sea, might I more tonight in thee. So direct, isn't it? So direct, so direct and so sparse. And I hope maybe you feel, dear listener, as I do when I read these, that I think, gosh, I must have a go at this. I must have a go at this. And it doesn't matter if you never show your work to anybody, does it? It's having a go and seeing what can emerge. And sometimes it's an image, a picture of quite startling mystery. Elsa Gidlow. Not a name that many of us know, but I do think it's worth, isn't it, in these programmes to bring to my attention, perhaps even to yours, uh, poems and poets that uh, don't automatically reach the uh, downstage of life. Love's Acolyte. Many have loved you with lips and fingers and lain with you until the moon went out. Many have brought you lovers' gifts, and some have left their dreams on your doorstep. But I, who am youth among your lovers, come like an acolyte to worship. My thirsting blood restrained by reverence, my heart a wordless prayer. The candles of desire are lighted. I bow my head, Afraid before you, a mendicant who craves your bounty, ashamed of what small gifts he brings. I hope I managed in that uh, in that reading, dear listener, to bring out the voice, the voice of, as the poem has it itself, this sense of almost fear what the other will bring when one's heart is opened. And in this next poem, and we go to Chile for this next one, Hermogenes Irisari. A view that is quite different, let me just say that. Fair maid, believe me, love is like a lake, whose crystal depths reflect thy brow of snow, the roses on thy cheek that come and go. When in thy azure eyes the smiles awake, no passing winds the liquid mirror wake, the cool refreshing airs so softly blow, but hidden currents in the depths below the angry surface in an instant shake. 
Gaze then in safety from the emerald shore, nor launch thy shallop on the treacherous wave, even the gentle touch of thy light oar may rouse the slumbering peril from its grave. Thy fragile bark is on rough waters tossed. The picture fades, thou sinkest and art lost. Quite different, isn't it? Quite different. It is a turbulent ocean, often, that we set out upon when we feel love for another person when love is offered to us. Two poems to finish with that express this contrast in extremity, perhaps better than most. We have, of course, to go to this wonderful poem that seeks to do as we have done in this programme, to explore the different faces, the different facets, the different shores of this ocean. The first is called How Do I Love Thee by Elizabeth Barrett Browning or Sonnet 43 as it's more prosaically known. How do I love thee? How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need, by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with a passion put to use in my old griefs, and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seemed to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life, and if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. And the Japanese poet, forgive, dear listener, if uh, if this is not um, she. Ha um, this poet has, is a is a German Japanese who has a particularly interesting name in that respect. Sadachi Hartman. It's called "Why Do I Love Thee," and we'll close with this poem, uh, um, dear listener. Not because this is the best poem of the collection, it's absolutely not, but it does evoke some of the mystery that we've been privileged to sail through today. Why do I love thee? Why do I love thee? <laughs> Ask why the sea wind wanders. Why the shore is aflush with the tide, Why the moon through heaven meanders, Like seafaring ships That ride on a sullen, motionless deep, Why the seabirds are fluttering the strand, Why the waves sing themselves to sleep, And starshine 
lives in the curves of the sand. So, dear listener, thank you very much for listening to this particular edition of the Vocable Hour. Join me next time when I shall take us to a different part of this ocean and share with you, I hope, some more words of mystery and beauty and love. It's Danny Mazevich saying goodbye for now.